I know exactly what you need in your life. More practice squad. So give us a follow on Instagram at practice underscore squad underscore podcast. Our posts are phenomenal. Our stories probably even better and our hairlines undefeated. Again, that's practice underscore squad underscore podcast. Check it out and give us a follow. Squad out. It's a going. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the practice squad. We're here getting ready for part four of the 2004 University of Utah football team. Uh, joined as usual by Jeff Warburton and Easy E. What up? What is up? And uh, if I sound a bit logy today, it's because, well, it's allergy season. And also, me and Easy just enjoyed a delicious meal from one of our favorite fast food places. It was Popeyes, Louisiana fast, oh my word, fast deliciousness to my taste buds. We're going to keep acting like they're a sponsor, even though they aren't, with the hopes that maybe someday they will be. Come at us with that sweet ad money, Popeyes. Just come at me with that chicken. You can pay us a chicken. I will get paid in chicken happily. You know, you even shared some fries with me, Joe, and I would be okay if they just gave me fries as well. Those were really good. I'm having deja vu. I think this might be the... I think we've done this before. We have done this before. (laughs) We've asked Popeyes to sponsor us before. We've asked Popeyes to sponsor us before. Cool. Love that chicken from Popeyes. I really, really do, though. Good. It's good chicken. It's, it's in the hierarchy of chicken. It goes Popeyes, then Canes, and then everybody else is is underneath. They just are. For me, because I'm in Utah, right? So access to fried chicken isn't readily available. It would be Popeyes, then was it Lovebirds, and then Chick Fil A. Lovebirds is a different thing though, because I'm talking fast. Oh food. yeah, because it's hot chicken. I'm talking and fast food. Yeah, this fast is food. that's a restaurant. Love, okay. If you guys haven't been to Lovebird yet, Lovebird come at us with that sweet ad money. Uh, they're really good too. And those crispy waffle fries. Ooh. Yeah, Lovebird. Lovebird didn't get mentioned in this in my mind because I was doing a hierarchy of fast food chicken. Lovebird is restaurant chicken. Yes. What were we talking about? Oh, football. All right. So, starting part four off, the Utes entered. Their next game against San Diego State ranks seven and zero, and or sorry, with a record of seven and zero, and ranked number nine in the country. So the Aztecs on paper looked like they could be a trap game for the Utes. Their record, two and five, not the most you know threatening of records, but four of their five losses were by ten points or less including a three-point loss and a near upset of then number 17, Michigan. So is there anyone that we would know on this Michigan team? On that Michigan team? Yeah. Um, what is it, Chad Henney? Yeah, Chad Henney and uh, Michael Hart. Wow, okay. Well, oh, and Mario Manningham. Mario Manningham, mm-hmm. the legend himself from the Super Bowl. I, I will say this is also the Michigan team before they had Jim Harbaugh. So we got to well, imagine. This is way before Jim Harbaugh. This is a full decade before Jim Harbaugh. This is 2004, Jeff. This was like five head coaches ago for Michigan, wasn't it? My Close com- to it. My comment is just saying this is a, actually a likable Michigan team for those who watch college football at this time. I, the concept of a likable Michigan team is a little bit strange, but okay. I liked my cart. He was fun. Now... Utah's mindset the whole season was not to be unprepared for an opponent. Uh, Urban Meyer is one of those coaches that has always been prepare one game at a time. And same with Kyle Whittingham. And that's always been the Utah mentality. And so 
they enter this game committed to not overlooking San Diego State. Is that because they were just like, this is a potential trap game. This is like, I have this Pokemon, right? It's named Turtonator. And Turtonator has this move called Shell Trap. Nope, nope, nope. We're not going to talk about Pokemon. I'm just going to go ahead and end that right then and there. So it's a trap game. Yeah. Like Turtonator. Oh my god. They're not going to overlook it. Because it's a trap. You finished? Trap. Cool. So, Utah opened the game. Uh, long drive culminated with another Alex Smith five-yard touchdown run. They were able to add a field goal uh, to end the first quarter 10-0. So, not the biggest first quarter, but definitely, you know, productive. Second quarter of the game, it turns into a Big 12 game. Oh, boy. The score for the second quarter would be 24-21. to 21. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, okay. So, Utah, they go out and, well, let's see. Actually, it was San Diego State who started it off. Sorry, San Diego State starts it off with a 29-yard touchdown pass, and then it's matched on the other end by Alex Smith to Paris Warren again. And the quarter just continues back and forth. San Diego State was given one of their touchdowns on a fumble recovery and then another on a five-yard rush. Utah was able to get another 17 points after their first touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, Smith touchdown passes to Steve Savoy and Travis Latondres and another David Carroll field goal. So... Utah leads it 34-21 to 21 at halftime. That is quite a score. Um, in fact, like, at this time especially, with the spread just coming out, games like this were, were rare to see when teams were just scoring every other single possession. I feel like now, you kind of said it, Joe, in the Big 12, that's a common occurrence, but at this time, this is really not, not common at all. It's one of those quarters of football where... I know you, you sit through those sometimes where it's zero zero, but when you have twenty point quarters for each team, that's when it's like, man, I freaking love football. I mean, I do love some offensive football, but not when it's my team that's involved in a shootout. I like to see my team just winning, so I don't like a shootout from my from my team's perspective. But if I'm watching a game that I don't care about, that's the most fun. You know, I'm a Cardinals fan, an Arizona Cardinals fan, so if my team scores in any way, shape, or form, I'm just happy. And they don't usually do that. To kind of go off of what Joe said, I feel like, though I'm not a Utah fan, knowing Utah fans, when teams score a ton of points on them, it's probably the most frustrating thing because Utah is known for always having a really good defense. Well, and as you can imagine, Kyle Whittingham was probably very upset in the locker room. Because his team gave up, his defense gave up 14 points in the second quarter. Of course, one of the touchdowns was the fumble recovery. But 14 points in a quarter is still a lot for a Kyle Whittingham defense. And for the rest of the game, coming out of halftime, the Utes gave up just seven. And then the offense, well, they just kept doing what they were doing. Marty Johnson, four-head rushing touchdown. Alex Smith, his fifth touchdown pass of the game to Steve Savoy. David Carroll adding another field goal. Utes come away with a 51-28 victory. And at that point, putting up 50 points, actually at that point putting up over 40 was just kind of business as usual. Yeah, no, you could tell that Utah was not messing around on the offensive side yet again. Uh, five touchdown passes, that's a, that's a pretty impressive performance. Even against, a, you could say, a bad San Diego State team, to throw five touchdowns, is that's hard to do. It was a big game. 
Yeah, it was a big game, and I'm happy that we won. But the most impressive part to me is it's only allowing four points for the rest of the half. Seven. Seven points? Oh, it was 21. I thought they had 24. So just having that for an entire half, that's a great, great job by the defense. Yeah. Now, as good as that win was for Utah, the bigger wins didn't even come in our own stadium. They came across the country where Maryland was able to pull off an upset of the then fifth-ranked Florida State team, and North Carolina, UNC, the same team that Utah beat by 30 just a few weeks previous, helped us out by beating number four, Miami. That is a huge win for you to that point. Uh, way to go, Terps, by the way. They don't get a lot, of, a lot of praise all the time, but way to go. They did it. And because of that, Utah was able to move from their ninth spot to sixth. They were now in the necessary spot for a BCS bid. That's huge. Let's go, Utes! So, that meant three games left in the regular season, Colorado State, Wyoming, and BYU. Utah just has to, if Utah wins those three games, BCS. First time ever, a non-Power 5 team in a BCS Bowl. That would be hard on that team to not start already predicting being there. I mean, it's so hard to be focused at that point because it's the highest Utah has really ever gotten. Uh, they're playing out of their minds. Uh, they're probably still unstoppable. And in fact, the way they're playing, they were. Um, I am just super impressed with how the coaching staff is able to keep these guys so level-headed throughout the year, it, like against a team like San Diego State. I, I mean, and you could tell that there was so much energy, just joyous energy throughout the entire team and the fan base in the next game against Colorado State. This game is available on YouTube, uh, if you want to watch the whole thing. I did. Um, watching the game, you can see it's just... I've been to many Utah games, and that crowd looked like they were as fired up as I've ever seen. It was awesome. Um, you guys have been Utah fans longer than I have. Was the Muss around at this time? So the Muss, uh, to give a little bit of background on the Muss, Urban Meyer is actually credited as the person who started the Muss. That's cool. Because the Utah student section was pretty much non-existent for a while. It looked similar to, like, when you watch a, a mid-major school and you see that their student section is, like, a third full at best. That's what Utah was for a long time. Urban Meyer gets to Salt Lake and he says, nope, we're not going to do this. We're going to brand this thing. We're going to get it marketed. We're going to get kids here. And he did. And ever since then, the Muss has existed. That's cool. That's cool. Shout out to our good friend Clayton Guyman, who's running the den or has ran the den. It's a it's a weird you know society, but you know I respect that you know putting your face every day for the school. I'm a better person than I am. Yeah, well, someone like Clayton worked with Urban Meyer to get the must started, and Clayton helped start the den up at UVU. So mm -hmm. yeah. rock on, man. All right, so Colorado State. Alex Smith just picks up right where he left off. Two touchdown passes, both to Paris Warren and a Morgan Scally uh, fumble return for 88 yards led to a 21-3 lead for the Utes in the first quarter. That was quick. It was, and it was even faster than that. It was actually like 12 minutes into the game. How would you 21-3. How would you feel as a Colorado State player at that moment? Like, are you, have you given up by this point? Well, the thing is, everything that was said about Utah was how fast they played. And just how fast they did everything. And so it's like you watch that on tape and then suddenly you have to go out and try and stop that track meet. It's, I don't know. It would suck. So for me, here's how I see it. 
The Colorado State Rams had become like the fainting goats. So as soon as someone shocked them or surprised them, they just went, meh, and, you know, just rolled over. So that's what I'm seeing happen. You hit them hard and quick. They just went, meh, clap. <laughs> Can you, one more sound effect. I didn't quite get it. Meh, clap. Clap, got it. So second quarter, more of the same. Alex Smith, another touchdown pass to Steve Savoy. Two Marty Johnson touchdown runs. And the Utes are up now 42-3 to before Colorado State gets a garbage time <laughs> touchdown to make it 42 then. Oh, that's such a bad game. That reminds me of the Oregon State game this year when Oregon State had been shut out the entire game. And yeah, and they then, got they got a touchdown with like 50 seconds left. Well, I thought it was less than that. It was like 15 seconds left. Yeah, it was about the same. It's yeah. just like... Like, yeah, it's like, oh, good so close. for you guys. It's 56-7 to seven now. Probably feels It probably feels good for like that one player who gets the score. And also, it's like... I always think of that at the time. It's like, to make a positive out of that, when you see a kid that does score in that situation, that's a kid who wants to be on the team. That's a kid who's trying to make his way up the depth chart. He wants to be a part of the team. That is true. So I like that kid. I like the kid that does that. Even though it's frustrating, you know, on the box score, because you want to be 56-0, to but instead it's 56-7. That was, of course, Utah's Oregon State game this year. Uh, back to the Colorado State game this year. Actually, you know what? We're at halftime of the game. We're going to go and take a quick halftime of the episode. Here at the practice squad, we obviously love sports. And when it's time for us to work out, we want to emulate the athletes we talk about each week. And in Utah, there's only one place we can train like an athlete. At the training room, located at 710 South, Utah Valley Drive, American Fork, Utah, 84003. Here they offer on-site sports medicines for all members, which includes deep tissue massage, physical therapy, chiropractic adjustments, and injury prevention training. Lord knows we need that. Beyond the standard memberships, they offer personal and group training classes like their own unique hype training. Other classes include Muay Thai boxing, pre- and postnatal yoga, and for younger athletes, they offer sports-specific strength and conditioning training for individuals and teams. Head over, tell them the practice squad sent you. Peace. All right, and we're back with the second half. And, well, first drive of the second half was actually the last drive of the game for Alex Smith. Uh, it ended with a Marty Johnson touchdown run, which made the score 49-10. to 10. Um, After that, a couple more touchdowns from the Utah backups. Brian Johnson got in there to throw another touchdown pass. Colorado State was able to score 21 in the fourth quarter against that. what I'm assuming was third and fourth string players for Utah. Uh, final score though, sixty-three to thirty-one. The score doesn't like it looks. It looks bad. Uh, like it looks said, bad because it is bad. It's very bad, but I mean, in all honesty, that game could have easily been like eighty to zero. Well, that's the thing is, it's like when you lose by thirty-two, and that's not as bad as it was. That's when you know it was a bad day for you. Like thirty-two is like, oh, it was worse than that. We lost by 32, but we actually played worse than that. You know, um, I'm speaking as if I was the Colorado State coach. You know, guys, it was not the best of days, uh, but we, we, we held in Shut up, coach! It wasn't that bad. Coach, I said shut up! It was just 30 points. Coach! I, think, I don't think the coach would ever try and... No college football coach or football coach in general would ever try and make a positive out of that situation. <laughs> nope. Now, perhaps the most important thing from this game for Utah was they forced five turnovers and turned all five into touchdowns. 35 points off their five turnovers. That's crazy. And 
This dominant performance happened in front of representatives from the Liberty Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, but also the Orange Bowl. Oh. And the Orange Bowl, for those of you who remember, in 2004, was the host of the national championship game. Meaning that Utah had representatives from the national championship game watching them play. Watching them route Colorado State. That is crazy, crazy cool. I don't think that's ever happened for the state of Utah. And frankly, it's just like... We're not going to talk about this here. No, no. Too, Too soon. Sorry, I forgot about that. But going back to my comment, I mean, as a fan, you just got to be so pumped out of your mind knowing that at this time and period for your team, it looks like you're not going to lose another game and you have national championship representatives coming to your game to watch. That's a that's a pretty big statement. A statement we will make one day and we will win and we will take it home. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, JFK. <laughs> Do you, JFK, nope. do you nope. like Popeye's? <laughs> I love Popeye so much. (laughs) All right. Well, the problem there was that nobody in front of Utah lost this week. So they remained in sixth place. And lucky for them, they got to go up to Laramie, Wyoming, ranked number six in the country. Oh, the happiest place on earth. Lucky to be in Laramie. (laughs) And if you're a fan of Mountain West football... You know that a trip to Laramie, Wyoming never goes quite right, you know? You ever had the rain just roll off your ears and then turn into icicles and then the icicles fall on your feet? Okay. Um, (laughs) If that gets edited out, I'm fine with it. If it stays in, whatever. Uh, So, the Cowboys, however, this season were actually looking pretty good. After nine games, they were six and three. Wow. And to give you a little bit of uh, background on how unusual that was, Wyoming hadn't been at a bowl game since 1993. So it had been 11 years at that point, but they had a winning record, 6-3. and three. Wow, they could have gotten into the Idaho Potato Bowl oh. if, they had, you know, if they had happened 10 years later. Oh, thanks. That's you know, use hopes and dreams now that every year we're going to at least make it to that bowl. But with that in mind, I do want to make one comment. Uh, for those who are fans of Laramie, mm-hmm. Uh, University of Wyoming. It's very similar to UNLV, um, except that UNLV, at least it's hot there. Uh, what sucks as a Wyoming fan is typically your team is not very good. And looking forward into the season, you kind of just start putting L's by everybody. And then trying to go to the games is miserable because it's Wyoming. Yeah, but you have to remember, these are Wyomans. Wyomingites are a different people. <laughs> They're built to live in the cold. We're built to live in the cold, Jeffrey. You want to come ride a buffalo someday? I'll teach you how to do it. They're like Inuits with more chewing tobacco. Chewing tobacco and chewing gum. Those are the two things I chew. Okay. No, no, no. We're done. We're done. Nope. Not not about Wyoming. One of my favorite players ever play Wyoming, Josh Allen. Cool. We're done. Stud. Oh, my God. Probably sponsors Popeyes. Stud. So, as I said, nothing ever goes quite the way it should when you play Wyoming. And... This game wouldn't be any different. A power failure in the stadium about 20 minutes before the scheduled kickoff created a 99-minute delay. And I also love the specificity of a 99-minute delay. We don't round up in Wyoming. No, we don't. We time it exactly. I'm surprised there wasn't seconds involved. Um, Now, during this time, the Utes found themselves literally huddled for warmth in what was described as a barely heated locker room. Oh, my gosh. Laramie, Wyoming, November 28 degrees was the ambient temperature, 
and with the wind chill, it dropped to 16. Oh, no. So, uh, you tap and look it up in the back, and I have a Yule log that was left over from last Christmas. You just gotta light it up, roll it up in the middle of you, and you just got the one Yule log. It'll keep you all warm. So, if I remember right, a Yule log is a cake that looks like a log. No, 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 you're done. Shut up. Urban Meyer talked about it after the game, saying that the coaches were scrambling to find apples, oranges, granola bars, anything they could to try and get the players to eat something. Okay, I'm going to make, just because it's fun to talk about this, was it on purpose? Was this Wyoming's attempt to slow down Utah at all? Maybe, I mean... Just some guy in overalls and no other clothing. Just unplugging something. Just, just unplugging something like, this is how it's going to work. Well, no, here's the thing. There's actually a little bit of, uh, there's also a little bit of valid validity behind that statement. Because they were initially investigating, like, there was like a power plant substation behind the state behind the stadium. And so they're checking out that to see if that's what caused it. And then they found out it was a blown fuse inside the stadium that took like three minutes to repair once they found it. Oh my gosh. So one time growing up, there was a raccoon that crawled its way into a transformer and we were without power for two days. So I'm just imagining a little raccoon going and blowing the fuse at the stadium. Maybe. I also like to imagine that it's like, because Urban Meyer talked about trying to find apples and oranges for him. It's like, that's like a throwback to Little League. So all these massive college football players with like blankets over them, like try to eat oranges and stuff like that. Like they're Little League players. <laughs> with, their, with their Capri Suns and their... Uh... Yeah, for real. <laughs> Maybe the same dude in overalls. He's like, I got all the oranges in the pox of my overalls. You want some? Oh. And now the Wyoming fans, they were treated to a, a touch football game between the cheerleaders okay, that's during actually, this time. That's actually so cool. So, you know, there was football happening. You, you gotta credit them for at least trying to make the bets out of nothing. Now, the game finally started, uh, and the youths, well, they might have been cold in the locker room, but they warmed up real fast in the field. Uh, scoring on the first on first down, or sorry, their scoring started on a first down when Alex Smith scrambled to his right, cut back between two Wyoming defenders who took each other out in kind of a almost comical way. They literally just ran face-to-face into one another. Classic. And then Alex Smith walked into the end zone. There you go. And it only got worse from there. Uh, the Utes were able to force a turnover on the next drive, resulting in a touchdown run for Marty Johnson. Uh, added a David Carroll field goal, 25 yards, to lead 17-7 after the first quarter. And then shut out Wyoming in the second. Two more touchdown passes uh, to Alex Smith's favorite targets, as you now know, Paris Warren, Steve Savoy. 26 yards and 10 yards out, respectively. And a 31-7 lead at halftime. You know, I don't want to be that guy, but do you think the cheerleaders that were playing in the touch football game could have done a little bit better before this? Like, better than the team that's currently playing the youths? Now, Jeff, these are collegiate football players here. But they played in Wyoming, so maybe. They're collegiate cheerleaders. They're top performance athletes. It's Wyoming, so maybe. And also, it's like, it is kind of impressive that it's like these guys had to, they were 20 minutes away from kickoff and then had to wait another two hours to play. Oh, yeah. For those who, I mean, if you ever have gone running, one of the hardest things to do um, ever, uh, easy, you know, you ran a Ragnar, is running for a specific amount of time and then having to wait like an hour or a few hours and then run again. It's like you're not warm, you're not, your body's not necessarily ready for it, and it could take a beating if you're not careful. 
Yeah, that's why they had to get the apples and the oranges and the water. Because if you're not staying hydrated and staying loose, like you're gonna you're gonna tighten up. Well, and like mentally keeping yourself prepared. They're also talking about like trying to play catch in this tiny locker room, just trying to keep like their hands ready. Like it's it's it, it's really impressive to me that they were able to stay as ready as they were to go out and put up 31 points in the first half against a six win team. Let's go. It, it's moments like this that invented bottle flipping. Um, because I feel like now that is a very competitive way of competing in times when you're just in the locker room. Bored. And nothing of big note came in the second half of the game. Uh, Utah was able to score a couple more times before, once again, subbing in some backups and giving up some garbage time points. Final score, 45-28. There you go. So Wyoming actually ended up uh, in terms of box score, putting up one of the more impressive performances of any Mountain West opponent against Utah. You could, yeah, you could definitely argue that Wyoming was the best to represent out of the Mountain West compared to Utah. I think they even made a bowl game too, right? They did. They did end up making a bowl game that year. Um, I believe it was the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. Gotcha. So, the Utes, 10-0. and for the first time in school history. The Utes ranked top five in the country. First time in school history. So nuts. And one regular season game left against Holy War rival BYU. Oh, the yeah. Utes had a chance to make NCAA history. Tease him, Joe. Tease him. Tell him what's coming next. Well, I did. Next week, we're going to cover the BYU game and the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah! See y'all in part five. You're going to be good at it, folks. Peace. Hello, squad. This is Easy e coming at you to say that if you've ever had a desire to kick ass, then head on over to Draper Kenpo. Black Belt Master Gator Conley will teach you how to chomp on the competition. At Draper Kenpo, a student learns self-respect, discipline, agility, and most importantly, how to kick that ass. Call or text for information at 801 801- 810-5772. That number again is 801-810-5772. Now, karate chop your way to Draper Kempo at 720 East and 10,600 South in Sandy. hi squad out.